the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm honored. Today is Tuesday, January the 5th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today on January 5, 1925, Democrat Nellie uh, Tejo Ross of Wyoming, she took office as America's first female governor. She was succeeding her late husband, William. It had a special election. Today in 1781, a British naval expedition led by Benedict Arnold burned Richmond, Virginia. Benedict Arnold, the traitor. Today in 1896, an Austrian newspaper, Wiener Press, it reported the discovery by a German physicist, Wilhelm Röntgen. He had discovered a type of radiation. We know it today as x-rays. Today in 1914, Henry Ford announced he was going to pay workers $5 for an eight-hour workday as opposed to $2.34 for a nine-hour workday. Employees still work six days a week until 1926. In 1926, the five-day work week was instituted generally across the country. I wish they would have told the people in the Yakima Valley about that in the late 50s when I started having to work in the orchard. I never heard of a five-day work week until I grew up and moved away. Anyway, Henry Ford also, I'm pretty sure when he did the $5 per day thing, he also gave $10 million of the previous year's earnings of Ford Motor Company to a fund that was distributed to all of the employees. I'm not positive on that, but I'm pretty sure. he. I know he did that at one point. I think he did it that year, 1914. Today in 1943, educator and scientist George Washington Carver. He was born into slavery. He was a black man who rose, really rose to public acclaim. I remember as a kid, I read his the story of his life. It was in a little book. It was an orange book to library. He, uh, he died today, 1943. He was 80 years old. Today in 1949, in the State of the Union Address, President Harry S. Truman, he labeled his administration as the Fair Deal. Not the New Deal, but the Fair Deal. Today in 1957, President Dwight D. Eisenhower proposed assistance to countries to help them resist communist aggression in what became known as the Eisenhower Doctrine. Today in 1972, President Richard Nixon announced that he had ordered development of a space shuttle. Today in 1983, President Ronald Reagan announced he was nominating Elizabeth Dole as Secretary of Transportation. Dole became the first woman to head a cabinet department in Reagan's administration and the first to head the DOT. Today in 2004, foreigners arriving at U.S. airports were photographed and fingerprinted. The fingerprints were scanned. It was the beginning of a government effort to keep terrorists out of our country. 
here in America. Well, it's a big day in America today, as many of you know. In my lifetime, I have not seen a state election have more influence on our nation than today's election in Georgia. It pretty much comes down to Georgia as far as the Senate is concerned. And the Senate, the Senate is now a majority Republican, narrowly so, but it is. Three million people have already voted. They're voting today. The polls are open now. But before they opened the polls this morning, three million people had already voted in this runoff race. That's nearly 40% of all the registered voters in the state. The total surpasses the 2.1 million ballots cast in the state's last Senate runoff, which was 2008. The early voting, they're saying there, you you don't know how reliable this is, but there's people in Georgia this morning, just within the hour, that are saying that everything they can see suggests that the races are very competitive. I'm surprised. I thought it might not be as competitive as they thought it was going to be, but who knows who knows what they're doing behind the curtains, you know, with the levers of the voting machines or whatever. But there are some indications that Democrats had a bigger share of the early voting electorate, they're saying, than they did in the general election. Well, they had they had these ballots long enough to, you know, I don't know what with them. But nonetheless, that's what's happening in Georgia, the Atlanta area. The Democrats, that's their political base. It's seen some of the highest turnout rates in the state's early voting. Rates of early voting had been lowest in the conservative northwest corner of the state, they're saying. That worried some Republicans. President Trump was there last night or yesterday afternoon. I think it was evening. I watched part of his speech. It was good. It was typically Trump, and um, it was no holds barred. He was laying it out there. He is a straight talker for sure. There's no question about that. Sometimes he isn't particularly fluent. He repeats himself often, but he tells it like it is, and he did. Others are arguing that their supporters typically vote the Republicans in higher numbers on Election Day. And they're hoping that the president's rally last night will help out significantly. I believe it will. Both parties expect to turn out to be higher than the 2008 Senate race. And um, some of the analysts are saying they don't think it'll be as high, but they're anticipating numbers close to 5 million voters in in Georgia. So at this point, it's about 23% lower than the November election as far as the turnout, but people are voting in Georgia, make no mistake about it. Two people are in this runoff. There's two races. Each has one Republican and one Democrat. I've talked about it on this program. I'm not going to talk about it a lot today, but we'll certainly talk about it tomorrow because it is significant. The Senate hangs in the balance. If the Democrats should gain control of the Senate, by winning these two elections, the runoffs, in Georgia today, it will change almost everything in America politically. Our final answer, our final stand is not political, it's spiritual. God is in control. But I believe God, with all my heart, I believe God has called us to be involved in such things as our culture, our community. And in this country... 
the voting process, because to whom much is given, much is required. And I believe, well, the, the ten talents, the story of the ten talents, the parable, Jesus taught us that. When we're given something as a gift, we're expected to show stewardship with it. That's the teaching of Jesus. And that certainly applies to the freedoms that we have in America. And one of them, above all, perhaps, is voting. The right to choose our leadership. And yet I hear and see so many Christians standing back and saying, well, they're, they're somehow above all of this. They're so spiritual that they can't touch politics because it's dirty. The world is dirty, and the world is going to hell. And I think Christians need to put on their boots and go waiting, because that's what God has called us to do. So we'll see what happens in Georgia today. I'll talk a little bit about that tomorrow. But I was struck by a House Democrat representative, Emmanuel Cleaver. You probably haven't heard of him before. Actually, I hadn't heard of him before. Maybe I'd seen his name, but I hadn't paid attention to it. He's also a not only a representative, a Democrat, but he's an ordained Christian minister at a Methodist church, United Methodist Church. He was asked to open on Sunday, he was asked to open the 117th Congress with a traditional prayer. Now, having a prayer is tradition. They've been doing that since, well, since Ben Franklin said that they should go to prayer because they couldn't agree on it. the Constitution. They were writing it. And they just couldn't get together on it. So Ben Franklin, the least religious guy in the room of the founders, he said, I think we need to pray about this. And he said, we should call in somebody to lead us in prayer. And they had, they argued about that even, but they ended up doing it. And that has continued to this very day. And Sunday was an expression of that that started way back with our founders. But the prayer that this reverend representative, Cleaver, prayed, caught my attention. His prayer put the light of biblical ignorance on the so-called religious left. While he was giving us a view of what America, our faith and our freedom, could look like under Democrat control. The newly elected Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, she marched out on Sunday. She marched out her Rules Committee for the 117th Congress. In that, she revealed her new house rules and they will and I'm quoting from them and I wrote an article on this today it's at faithandfreedom.us you can link I link to the sources you can go there and read these links and read the sources that I'm talking about if you want to but the 117th congress she said we're changing the way we talk about people she said the new house rules she was once elect, once again elected Speaker of the House by just two votes, but she won. But nonetheless, she is. And she says, we will now honor all gender identities by eliminating specific terms, such as mother and father and son and daughter and aunt and uncle. This is the United States Congress. Aunt and uncle, husband, wife, permitting elected officials to only use gender-neutral terms. So she presented that on Sunday. Senator Chuck Schumer, he says if they win the Senate today in Georgia, 
He said the Equality Act will be passed into law in the first hundred days. Franklin Graham was reading all of this, and he went to Twitter. He said, if progressives rule, we won't even recognize this nation. He's right. But back to the prayer, the opening prayer of the United States 117th Congress on Sunday. This representative, reverend, pastor, former, I guess, Emmanuel Cleaver, he prayed that the Lord, I'm quoting him here, Lord, lift up the light of his countenance upon us and give us peace, peace in our families, peace across the land, and dare I ask, Lord, peace even in this chamber. Well, that's not a bad prayer to pray for peace even in this chamber. But at the end of his prayer, he said, quote, We ask in the name of the monotheistic God, Brahma, and God known by many names by many different faiths, a man and a woman. A man and a woman? While trying to be enlightened and inclusive, this guy became a fool suggesting there is no one true God. And the Bible says only the fool says there is no God. And that's what this pastor was saying to open our 117th Congress. Ben Franklin, who was not religious, would roll over in his grave if he heard that kind of nonsense coming from the lectern of our 117th Congress. He's praying to the gods that are unknown. It's not unlike Paul at Mars Hill. This pastor politician apparently doesn't even know that amen is not a gendered word. The word from the original Hebrew means so be it. So what could a woman possibly mean? I don't know. I'm married to a woman. I think she's tremendous. She's been my girlfriend since we were very young. We grew up together. Our families were friends. But what does it mean when you you conclude a prayer with a woman? I don't even know if God knows what that means. I mean, that's crazy. Whether he's failing in his attempt at fitting in with the progressives, this pastor, representative, I don't know if that's due to his ignorance or his rebellion. I don't know. But God, the true and living God, knows his heart. But I do know that this kind of form of godliness is denying the power of the gospel and it will destroy this nation that was founded on Judeo-Christian principles and beliefs if we allow this to continue. I also know that according to the earliest historical records that people have tried to use this form of godliness, they twist their own little dark demonic kinds of thinking and ideologies and they wrap it with some scripture somewhere. Nancy Pelosi does that all the time. She's always quoting scriptures. Most of the time, they're not scriptures. She just uses thy and thou and so on, and she says she doesn't know where it's found. She just memorized it a long time ago. She does. I, I'm not overstating this. They twist God's word to accommodate their own agenda. But this began in the earliest account of human experience. Satan's claim to Eve. Remember, that conversation is recorded in Genesis. He said, yes, he said, God to Eve, God is, is good. But he doesn't really mean what he says. Go ahead and eat the fruit. You're not going to die. Surely God is a good God. He wouldn't cause you to die. 
And it's carried through all of humanity. There's always been that underlining thread of lie and deception. Because it's found in the heart of Satan. Nancy Pelosi, she came out with her new catechism. She talks about her Catholic faith all the time, almost as much as Joe Biden does. I'm not judging their faith. I don't know their heart. But I certainly, it's apparent, and I think it is to all of us, their actions. But in the spirit of Cleaver's prayer, Speaker Pelosi introduced this new House Rules agenda. She said it will honor all gender identities by eliminating specific terms such as mother and father and son and daughter and uncle and aunt and wife and husband and all of that. Instead, only gender-neutral terms such as parent, child, sibling, and parent-sibling will be allowed in the text of our United States Congress. When I saw that, I thought, surely these guys won't pass that. She presented it on Sunday. Well, guess what? <laughs> this morning, just about an hour ago, they passed it. The Republicans fought tooth and nail to, to kill it, but there just weren't enough Republicans in the House of Representatives. It, it passed along the party lines, and there were a few more, not as many as there were in the last session, but still a few more Democrats and Republicans. When she introduced this new catechism, she called it rules that are future-focused. And she defended these on Sunday when she they produced them or they, they talked about them. She said they are the most inclusive in history. I'm sure she has several made-up Bible verses to support her new future-focused theology. But whether she does or not, it is now a matter of record in the 117th Congress of the United States of America as of about an hour ago this morning. Franklin Graham, he got a hold of some of this. He got out there with his trumpet. God bless Franklin. He's a he's really a good guy. He is what he looks like, what he appears to be. He said on Twitter, he said, can you believe that they actually proposed to strike the words, this was before they passed it this morning, actually proposed to strike the use of words, including father, mother, son, aunt, uncle, and wife. And he went on, but he says, this new gender-inclusive language in the House of Representatives threatens the most fundamental human relationships, saying they are actually trying to, quote, enshrine what they call gender-inclusive language. And then Franklin said this, and we can all say a man, not a woman, but a man. These proposed changes will be voted on soon, he said. Well, and soon was this morning. He said, God created them male and female. It's just a fact. And he said, if those claiming the name progressive are allowed to have their own way, we won't even recognize the nation that we live in in a very short time. Republican Representative Tom Cole, he's a Republican, Republican from Oklahoma, he called Pelosi's catechism a blatant and cowardly assault on the voices and views of the Republican minority, as well as, quote, a dark day for the preservation of free and thoughtful debate. Well, you can imagine that the Republicans were really up on their on their feet this morning in that session when they officially passed this. Steve Scalise, remember, he's the guy that got shot at that baseball game a few years ago, almost died. This guy came in and said, which team is the Republicans? And some guy pointed, and they were practicing for this 
game they play between the rep- baseball game between the Republicans and the Democrats. And somebody said, well, that's a Demo- that's a Republican team over there. So he get, pulls out a gun and starts shooting them. Well, Steve Scalise was probably the worst injured. A number of them were injured. But uh, it took him, I don't know, more than a year to recover. But he has recovered, and he's the GOP whip, in fact, in the uh, in the House. He said, I'm a priest to the floor this morning. He said, I'm a proud husband, proud father of a son and a daughter. And he said, they don't even want you to be able to say that anymore. And this um, uh, Debbie Lesko, she's a Republican from Arizona in the House, she said... The Democrats' rule package takes out words like mother and father and brother and sister in their quest to not offend anyone. She said they're offending almost everyone in America. The new language is included in the new rules for congressional committee in the 2021 and 2022 session. The rules comply with the gender identity ideology. The Democrats were saying this morning that identifies the male and female sex of each person and insists on the so-called gender-neutral language that hides the male and female sex of people. How pathetic is this? I mean, when you pause and just look at this, does it occur to you, and I think it does, as it does to me and all of us ordinary folks out here? I'll tell you, I, I mean, you read... Old Testament, the historical aspect of the Old Testament and what those people were doing from the earliest experiences of humanity existing following the creation. This is not unlike that. We fly around in jets and, you know, carry phones, which are computers in our pocket now. But other than that, not much has changed. And we are, I mean, if someone just dropped in on us from a different place, I think they would think we have all lost our minds if they had one. Anyway, Biden, he's making promises like mad. Democrat victories in the Georgia Senate runoff elections today would allow Joe Biden, should he become president, and that we'll see tomorrow. That's going to be a big deal. Nobody knows for sure what's going to happen tomorrow. (laughs) Really, they don't. And if they say they do, um, I'm not sure they do, because the people that are going to be on stage, so to speak, in the light, the limelight, they don't know what's going to happen. But you got Paul Ryan, Ryan, the former Speaker of the House, the rhino Republican. He's just castigating all of these Republicans who are going to be objecting tomorrow to the electors' vote. They're objecting on the basis, it's Ted Cruz and a whole bunch of people, they're going to be objecting on the basis of there is widespread fraud in the last election. And boy, I'll tell you, I don't get into conspiracy theories a lot. And if you listen to this program regularly, I know that you know that. And I I don't think there's a conspiracy around the fact that there was widespread, unbelievable amounts of fraud in this last last presidential election. How can a person, just pause for a moment, man, I wish I had an hour this morning, but just pause for a moment. How can a guy, let's, like Joe Biden, and again, I'm, I'm not being critical of him. I might be a little bit, but how can a guy like Joe Biden, who has spent 50 years, almost 50 years, as a so-called public servant, 
on the payroll of the United States government, the, the people, the taxpayers. How could a guy like him, he's, re, he, he's run for president twice before, once he had to drop out because the plagiarism became a real problem for him. I mean, he was, it was just prolific. And he had plagiarized this and plagiarized that. I mean, he couldn't. He kept denying it, and finally the evidence was so overwhelming, and he dropped out of the race. The other time he ran for president, he couldn't get. He got like two to four percent of the vote. I can't remember what it was in the primaries. He couldn't even come close to becoming the nominee. Now all of a sudden, this guy emerges in a race where Bernie Sanders was actually leading, and others had more votes that he did in their Democratic primary, and all of a sudden he emerges and gets, what, 80 million votes or whatever they're saying now. How does that happen? When his own party has rejected him essentially for 50 years, except for the people in Delaware. They didn't want him nationally. And all of a sudden now he's a rock star. How does that happen? Well, I'll tell you how it happens. It happens through fraud and manipulation in an election. I believe that. I really do. I've seen enough to convince myself, I'll tell you. So anyway, that's what's on the agenda tomorrow, and we'll see what happens. And I'm not going to speculate because we'll watch. And I won't know when I come on the program in the morning what's going to happen there. But um, by the next morning after that, we'll certainly be reporting on it and talking about it here and talking about what it means to us. But all of this is kind of coming together now in America. And there is a divide that's deep. And in that context, Biden is still assuming that he is in. He is the president of the United States. Well, we'll see. But he says his first hundred days, he's going to enact, he's going to keep his promise. He's going to sign the Equality Act into law. Senator Chuck Schumer, he's vowed to move the progressive agenda forward if the Democrats take control of the Senate today in the election in Georgia. Biden will just be a prop for them, really. He he will not be leading if should he become president. But the Equality Act has been it's been restrained by the Republicans. But now the even some of the feminists and lesbians have joined the Christians of all things and conservatives in opposing this law. They say it's that bad. It's that bad. It changes sports, it changes everything. Christians take a position on it because it tries to change God's truth. He created them male and female. So all of these people are objecting from all kinds of various parts of the culture. Standing in the wings is Elizabeth Warren, who thought she was an American Indian, indigenous. She has said recently that black trans and cis women, gendered non-conforming, non-binary people are the backbones of our democracy. She also said she was an Na- American Native Indigenous person. <laughs> and her parents and her lineage said, no, no, she's not. But, you know, promises, politics, all of this stuff that's happening around us, I don't believe there's a, there's a real political solution to our great division in our country because the divide is not primarily political, it's spiritual. We must be informed. We as Christians, we've got to know what's going on, and we must be involved in our civic and political discourse in our country. But here's the bottom line. Representative and Pastor Reverend Emmanuel Cleaver's prayer in Congress was nothing more than words to like-minded peers. We've got to stand on the promises of God, not of man. 
We've got to trust in God, not in man. And I want to tell you, God is in control. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow.